0: Welcome to Confabulation, the podcast. I'm Matt Goldberg.
1: And I'm Deb Van Slett. Welcome to another episode.
0: Yes, and we are back with a story uh, told live at our January 2022 show, Good Date, Bad Date, recorded at the Centaur Theatre. We've got a story from first-time storyteller Miriam Ghani.
1: Miriam was part of the story lab that Michelle Lux and I had taught uh, the previous winter, And uh, Mariam was very, very motivated to work on this story. She worked really hard on the story. And it's a perfect fit for the good date, bad date show and thematic. Um, So we'll feature the story. And then afterwards, I do an interview with Mariam about part of the process of the story. And uh, as you'll hear, it it has a very particular angle.
0: We've got more information on Merriam in the show notes below, but for now, here is Miriam's story.
2: Have you ever held a secret before? Well, I certainly have. For a long time, I carried a heavy secret. It felt as though I carried 500 pounds on my shoulders. But my life was full of adventure, especially when it came to dating. I met this guy online, French guy, his name was Jeremy. And all what Jeremy could see was picture-perfect, a girl who looked confident, who seemed decently put together and who looked like she knew exactly where she was going. But what Jeremy didn't know is the secret that I held. You see, I'd been silently and slowly losing my eyesight, and I didn't want to tell anyone. So, I had the idea to go on that date pretending to be a fully sighted person that required meticulous preparation. So I picked a restaurant that I knew exactly, I was very familiar with it, and I knew exactly what it looked like. had a lot of lighting, no stairs. I got there early, I picked a spot, and I calculated my distance between where I was sitting, the washroom, and the exit. And then, I FaceTimed my confidant, one of the very few people who knew. I called her on FaceTime and I said, hey, can you help me pick something on this menu before he gets here? He's going to get here in any minute. And she did. The first part of the evening and the date was quite rocky. As soon as he got in and said hi, I attempted to make eye contact with him, but apparently I was staring at the wall behind him because he turned around and he said, what are you looking at? And that's when I said, well, uh, that's a really nice wall. It's nice in here, don't you think? And then he said, "Uh, well, it's uh, a plain white wall, Marianne." All right, it's okay, he's gonna forget about it. So we sit down, it's time to take the order. So I take the menu and pretend to be reading it for the first time. And as I'm confidently going through it, I say to the waiter, I'm gonna take this please. And then I feel this awkward smile and the silence and he reaches out, turns the menu around and says, you mean this? Is this what you want? We continue, and as we're talking, the awkward smile comes back, and I think, oh no, what did I do now? And then he sort of reaches out and and tries to stop me and says, wait, wait! And then I kind of, I look down and I realize, I just twirled my entire hair extensions around my fork. Now was the time to move to the bar area, which ruined my whole calculations because I actually needed to go to the washroom. So I slowly make my way. I see the first door, and I just stop there, and I get real close, and I'm trying to figure out, is this picture a man or a woman? Like, this is a very artistically drawn picture. And then I'm just waiting there a couple of seconds, and then my luck had it, this lady just came out of the washroom, perfect, thank goodness. And so I leave the washroom, I go sit by the bar, I look to my right at Jeremy and I say, Hey, what's up? Then I realize, oh, something looks kind of different. I didn't realize he was wearing a hat this whole time. And and he has a mustache? Why does he look so confused? Then I look around. Oh, Jeremy was actually standing behind me, leaning on the pool table with his arms crossed, looking at me while I had just struck a conversation with the wrong guy. And all I had to say was, oh, I didn't even know you were there. So that was the end of the night. The next day, I get a text message. It wrote, hey, so when are we hanging out again? Apparently, Jeremy was into weirdos. Okay. This time, I was invited for dinner at his place. He came to pick me up, and on the way there, I crossed my fingers and hoped he had no stairs at his place. As soon as we got there, he opens the door, and there it was, (laughs) the stairway of hell. It was a long staircase with over 20 steps, and it even curved on its way up, and had nothing to hold on to. Oh man, how am I gonna get away with this now? I just kind of sneak behind him. It's your house. Go ahead, go ahead. I follow him and I imitate his every step. He puts one leg up, I put one leg up. Left foot up, I put the left foot up too. He stops, I stop. <laughs> I finally make it up the stairs. Later, we're watching TV and Jeremy falls asleep. I start to think, what am I doing still hanging out with a guy who doesn't even know the real me? Exactly. I decided I had to leave while he was still asleep. (laughs) Now, I reached my phone and I called the same confidante. Hey, listen, I have no idea where I am, but you really have to come pick me up. Sent her my location. And then I looked around. There's a window. Oh, I know he's on the second floor. I can't jump out. I'm going to break a leg or something. I guess I'm going to have to go out and face the stairs. So I opened the door of the room only to find myself in a pitch-black apartment. And before I lose my footing, I, went, I rushed back in and thought of another plan. No, this is not going to work now. Oh, I'm going to download the Flashlight app. So I do that, I'm determined, I go back out, and now I can sort of you know, make up a little bit of what's around me. And I start tippy-toeing my way in the hallway, sort of hunched forward, I felt like a burglar, I was bumping left and right into the walls and feeling all kinds of foreign objects along the way, including a pair of feet that belonged to one of his roommates. I didn't even know someone was there! (laughs) And then I finally make it. The staircase of hell came face to face with it. But before, I needed to retrieve my boots. They were placed on a tall rack somewhere with 50-something other pairs. I thought, do I really need my boots? Should I just take any that I see? And then I started feeling, one by one, until I felt my furry boots. I put them on, took one step forward and one step down, and I thought, this is going to be a long night. Now, I had to find an efficient and effective way to go down these stairs without falling and causing a scene, and as rolling down was not not an option at this point, I thought, oh, I'm going to sit down and go down one step at a time on my butt but I have to do this quickly because the last thing I wanted was for Jeremy to wake up, turn the lights on, see me sitting in the middle of his staircase in the middle of the night. So I start the countdown, 20, 19, 18, and I have no idea where I'm going. I just have one leg extended, and eventually, my foot touches the base of the door, and I see the shiny door handle, I reach out, I open the door, and a beam of light hit my face. I felt like I swear I could have heard the angels from the sky. "Ah!" And my friend was on the other side. Mariam, I'm right here! Shh! Come help me down the stairs. For a long time, I carried a heavy secret. It felt as though I carried 500 pounds on my shoulders. Today, I carry a cane, and it only weighs half a pound. But the best part is now I know where I'm going. You see, when you let go of your secret, you lighten your burden, and you find your way. Thank you.
1: Hi, Mariam. It's very good to see you. Hi, um, Deb.
2: Thanks so much for having me. I can now say that I'm officially a storyteller after I took the Story Lab. I would have never thought myself uh, of myself as a storyteller before. Uh, I never thought it even existed. I mean, I didn't think <laughs> it was such a powerful instrument, but I discovered that it was. And of course, with all the skills that I developed during the Story Lab, I felt so much more confident saying that I am now a storyteller.
1: What made you want to tell this story?
2: You know, uh, it's uh, funny that you're asking this question. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is when I initially got in touch with my first mentor, he's a, my speaking mentor. He's a professor at uh, McGill University and I started speaking for his classes and when I told it for the first time, he was really compelled. He was really amazed when he heard it. And he kept telling me, Mariam, you should see people's reactions, people's faces when you tell that story. And then he kept insisting that I tell that story every time uh, that I gave my speech for his course. And so it started like that. And of course, the Story Lab kind of was a perfect opportunity for me to develop it and to, focus more on that one to isolate it and to really focus on that event because of course that was stems from a negative event in my life it stems from a diagnosis of my losing my eyesight but i thought that was a great opportunity to not show myself as a victim of this uh misfortunate situation uh and not let people pity me but rather uh, make something light and funny out of it. And so I thought that would be a great story to tell to
1: kind of break the tension. Yeah, you really capture that because it really does have a kind of uh, pathos to it. It is both terrifying, and funny. And I think when you can achieve that in a story, you know, you really do have people's uh, attention and, right. um, and it's moving. Um I think it increases a kind of empathy, you know, because uh, because we're really with you in that story.
2: Well, you you said it really well, Deb, honestly, when you said there's a pathos to it. Yes, it was both uh, terrifying and funny. Right. Um, And I think what I what I did there is I decided, you know, there were so many ways I could have told that story. There were so many ways uh, I could have chosen to to tell it. And I. What I, my focus was to evoke one of the six basic human emotions so that I can truly uh, uh, have my point come across in the way that I wanted it to. And so, one of these emotions are happiness, there's surprise, anger, uh, disgust. And so, I, I thought, you know, why not use humor? Why not put on it's like kind of wearing glasses? I decided to look at it fr- with a lens. Of humor and lightness and happiness, and a little bit of a little bit of, uh, of fear and, and and suspense, you know, because I could tell people were thinking, "Oh no, what's going on?" and and it's kind of embarrassing. There are some really embarrassing moments in there, and I thought that tension would was a great opportunity for me to create um, something a little bit more, you know, humble and, and funny, and, and really grab and connect with people you know, connect with the audience. So yeah.
1: Yeah, I think the use of the word, uh, the word humble is, uh, is really deep and and meaningful. I think when people are telling stories and we, and we can understand and we see their, their vulnerability and their humility. That
2: is the word vulnerability. Deb, that was a tough one for me. Um, It was a tough one for me. Vulnerability, because that was something that, you know, of course, as you see the the, the, transformi- the character transforming into that story, um, I went from not wanting to be vulnerable to, you know, eventually having to. And so that was, that was the lesson um, in there for me, anyway. And I had a lot of fun writing it too. I, I was making myself laugh when I was writing it. And you know what's it really? And, and when I was actually when I was sitting, I remember that day. You know, that that first, uh, you know, people, when they're going to hear that story, they're going to understand. But when I was sitting at that table having dinner, I thought this is such an uncomfortable moment. I don't know why I'm going through this right now, but I know deep down and I had no idea I was going to be a motivational speaker. I had no idea what I was what I was going to end up doing. And I didn't know I was going to tell that story. But I knew deep down that this one day would make a funny story to tell myself or to write down in my journal or what you know I thought why not just sit in that moment sit in this uncomfortable feeling and live it to the fullest and I don't regret it because that was a very impactful and memorable event in my life Uh, and it it allowed me to eventually write a story and about it and share it with people.
1: You really and encapsulate with that story the concept of vulnerability as strength as very very strong because embracing your vulnerability is a very powerful place to be
2: that is absolutely true and um, I mean not everybody if you think of it you know not not a lot of people are going to relate to Uh, You know, someone who's losing their eyesight, a blind Arab girl from Montreal with brown hair or, you know, all the they don't necessarily relate to these things. But what I felt like they can relate to was a failed date, a disastrous date. I mean, (laughs) you know, if I can allow myself to to make that the following statement, I can assume that at least. You know, a lot of people have at least had one disastrous date since I lived that story. Of course, now I present myself to the world. I, I'm—I don't feel compelled to present a fake persona of me to the world. I—I uh, I, I fully expose my vulnerability. I fully expose my visual impairment and my white cane. And I just think, you know, it's. I, I'm a package. That's the package. I come like that. And whoever likes it, likes it. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. And so I don't need to go through all this hardship uh, to hide it. And um, since I told, and and, you know, really the main, um, the main lesson in that, the main moral for me anyway, was a complete transformation of, of my character, of my person and just developing i've developed confidence an immense amount of confidence from that time and so that confidence has allowed me to tell that story and ever since i told that story i would say it has just empowered me and it has definitely entertained people. I can tell that some people have opened up. After I tell that story, some people come up to me and they start opening up and they start wanting to tell me about their failed uh, dates and their moments where they felt uh, vulnerable or embarrassed. And I thought, you know, this, is, this has opened doors. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for, for your time today in this interview and, and for starting your storytelling journey a story lab um it was really a, a pleasure and an honor to to see the your story develop during the course of the story lab and and then to see you on the stage at the centaur theater yeah
2: thank you so much for your time too i really appreciate it thanks for having me
0: thank you miriam and deb and check out our youtube channel we've got miriam's story up there and and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with more stories from Confabulation. Confabulation, the podcast, is produced and edited by Dev Vanslette. Special thanks to Bent by Elephants for use of their song, Can't Have You. And of course, thank you as always to our sponsors, the Canada Council for the Arts and the Conseil des Arts de Montréal.